turn with me to John, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Luke 13, verse 34, and this is Jesus speaking, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you this morning for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we're not here to hear just a good story. We're not here to uh, be lifted up uh, by just um, some words of man. We're here to hear from the true and living God, and we're here to hear from Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We're here to hear by the work of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would magnify your name, magnify your word. You would speak to each and every heart. You'd once again remove me from the equation that each and every one of us would hear from you, Jesus, what each soul and individual needs. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Jerusalem was diseased and didn't know it. Unhealthy, but unaware. Sickly and needing healing, but ignorant of their condition. And their condition wasn't that everyone in Jerusalem was physically ill, or that everyone was suffering from leprosy, for example. That was the COVID of that time period that people were petrified of getting. Leprosy, which unlike COVID, COVID can be deadly. Leprosy was always deadly. But that wasn't the condition of Jerusalem. All of Jerusalem didn't have leprosy. No, Jerusalem's wider condition was the malady and perpetual illness of sin. Sin which had festered to the point that they could kill the prophets, as Jesus speaks of here. In the name of God, and they were just days away from killing Jesus himself, the very Son of God, and they did not perceive the depth of their sins. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse, uh, verses 12 and 13, it says, uh, God speaking concerning Israel, For thus says the Lord, your affliction is incurable, your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause that you may be bound up, and you have no healing medicines. In other words, there's not a human solution to your desperate condition. This is why Jesus was sent. Because the condition of Israel, and in fact the entire world, was and is incurable. Unless, unless one who is greater than the disease of sin and death arrives. So as Jesus laments over Jerusalem, the very one whose healing is in himself, the one who has the power to cure incurable diseases, The people just ignore him. Worse than ignore him, they'll soon condemn him. They couldn't see their dire need 
And even if they could, Jesus expressed that they were unwilling to see him, specifically him, as their healer. More importantly, their savior. This is such a problem right now in America and even in the church. Jesus said in Mark 2.17, it's also recorded in Matthew and Luke, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For the most part, Jerusalem, just days before the cross, was unaware and unconcerned that they needed a physician, that they needed healing, that they needed saving. And if they thought they had any immediate need, they assumed they could solve those needs with their own solutions. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, America has the same thinking. We can solve it ourselves. We can solve any kind of sickness, malady, issues. We can solve it ourselves. But Jerusalem was wrong then. So wrong. And we're wrong now. Thankfully and gratefully, Jesus graciously came and is still coming to individuals, to families, to nations, to heal the incurable. If you're taking notes, you see the title this morning, The Great Physician, Saving, Changing, and Healing Like No Other. Nobody but Jesus can heal and save and change like him. Every time I pull up behind, you probably have pulled up behind an ambulance or beside an ambulance, and I see this medical symbol, it should be on your screen. I'll pull up and I'll see this medical symbol on an, on an ambulance. The symbol of a snake on a pole. Every time I see it, I'm reminded that Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That scene in the wilderness where Moses lifts up the serpent, there were venomous serpents that had fanned out among the people the children of Israel, they were sent by God to judge Israel for their sin and their rebellion. People were dying. Hundreds, thousands were dying. And it's all, sin, the ultimate result of sin is always death. The Bible says sin brings forth death. But the serpents themselves, the serpents were symbolic. They were symbolic of Satan, who was originally a serpent there in the garden. He's called a serpent other places in in the scriptures as well. Uh, But also a picture of sin itself, original sin, where the origin of sin and the fact that it continues ever since then. But Moses was instructed to lift up this serpent wrapped around 
a pole, a bronze serpent on a pole. People had to just look to it and live. And that image of the serpent was pointing towards Jesus. And Jesus explains this himself. That he would be the one to take on sin and that those that look to him who was taking their sins upon himself, they would be healed and they would be saved. So when I see this symbol on an ambulance or someone's medical patch on a jacket, I'm always reminded of the far greater need than an ambulance, than a doctor, than a hospital. And it's interesting, we live in a country where people can see the symbol, and for most people it means nothing to them. But again, if you understand the Scriptures, you see the much greater need. When the Lord woke me up uh, Friday morning with this passage and with this title, shortly later I had the title, and then just the focus uh, of what I'm sharing here this morning, I'm here today for one specific purpose, to remind you who Jesus is, how greatly we need Him, and how He is ready and He's able to intervene with great compassion. Aren't you glad He's compassionate? Aren't you glad Jesus is compassionate? But also with great power in our lives. And if you're watching online right now and and you're unsaved, you've never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believe who He was but you've never believed on Him as your Lord and Savior, He'll save and rescue you today, even with an online streaming message that you are watching the snow fall outside. Maybe it's falling now, maybe it's not, I don't know. But at any rate, this message is for you and the Lord would save you even today. If, back to those of you that know the Lord, if you're saved, and you know the Lord is your Savior, He'll meet your need my need in ways that are impossible for us. Which is most everything's impossible for us. And Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but nothing's impossible for Him. And He wants all of us to do the opposite of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. He wants us to do the complete opposite of their response as He looks with sad eyes over the city. Now he wants us to willingly come to him and to receive his healing grace. If you're taking notes, three points this morning starting with this first one, if you're taking notes which I've titled An Upward Cry. An Upward Cry. This morning Jesus is not physically in Jerusalem. Well, in a sense, not physically, he's not bodily in Jerusalem. Jesus is everywhere, but he's specifically, he's on his throne in heaven looking down for those willing to come to him, willing to look to him, willing to cry out to him for his help and for his mercy and for his grace. I love this prayer that I'm going to read in just a second. This prayer from uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he prayed before preaching at the, more, uh, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle 
uh, there in London, and this was his prayer. Great physician, walk this hospital. Come and look at each special case, and may there be a masterpiece of your heavenly surgery in the case of each one of us, inclusive of him teaching and everybody else seated there in the Metropolitan Tabernacle there in London. In our case this morning, the hospital is not that sanctuary there in London. The hospital is the greater Richmond, Virginia area, whether you're joining us right now from Petersburg or Ashland or Powhatan or Henrico or the city of Richmond, or whether you're watching from another state, in each connected living room or whether you're listening in a car right now, all of us are in this connected hospital. Every one of us. And the great physician is looking at each special case, each special need. I closed out our Wednesday night prayer meeting this past Wednesday. And by the way, I greatly encourage everyone to come out and join us this coming Wednesday. I didn't even do announcements. Really, the, the, the only one to really be aware of is this Wednesday night to come and join us for prayer as we're praying each Wednesday until the last Wednesday we have a fellowship night with international dinner. But I encourage each person to come out and join us to prayer. But I closed this past Wednesday night's prayer service mentioning that God is calling all of us, every one of us that are in the body of Christ, everyone that know Him as their Lord and Savior, He is calling us to be open, to be honest with Him, to humbly, humbly just come before Him, to come to Him openly needy. When you, when you have great difficulty in your life, you find out how needy you are. Maybe if everything's going perfect for you, you don't think you're so needy, but we are more needy than we think we are. And if you're going through a difficult time, if you're home sick, if you're in a hospital, or maybe there's other trials or tribulations in your life, you do know you're needy. But he still wants us to come to him openly needy to cry out for his help and for his grace and to ask of Jesus everything, and I mean everything, that we need. He said that apart from him, we couldn't do anything. I mentioned that earlier. It's still something that I'm reminding myself continually. Oh yeah, I can't do anything without Jesus' help, without the Lord's help. You may need physical healing. Yes, ask him. Say, Lord, heal me, whatever the condition is. You can continue to ask Him. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. Lord, would you please deliver me from these things, but also give me the patience to endure them. But don't neglect. Even if you need physical healing, even if you say, Lord, I'm struggling with this physical malady, this illness, this mental health condition, whatever it is, you should and need to be asking for His help. But no, don't neglect the walk of your life, the walk of our life. Um, what He is identifying, what Jesus identifies in us as unhealthy, what He identifies in us as spiritually sickly, what He identifies that needs to be changed. We need to willingly, willingly, remember Jerusalem was not willing, we need to be willing and willingly admit and confess without excuses. We're all good at excuses. 
But Jesus laid excuses, excuses aside and just willingly, freely admit whatever He shows, whatever He spotlights, whatever He identifies. And He promises to be that physician, to be the healer, to heal and to mend specifically these spiritual issues and to relieve us of guilt. We need to be able to just pray from a very open, humble heart. Lord, I'm apathetic. If you're watching today and you, you know you're apathetic, God, the Spirit is speaking to you that you are completely apathetic to the things of the Lord, the things of the Spirit. Lord, I have uh, no real desire to pray. I don't even desire to pray. I don't have a desire to be in communion. Not to take communion, but be in communion with you. I have no desire or discipline to read your word, but I know that I should and I want to, but it's not there and I'm not doing it and I don't even have a desire to do it. I have no heart that souls are lost. It's not bothering me, Lord, that, that people that I know well are on their way to hell. They're not ready for eternity. I have no heart for worship. I have no heart uh, for praising your name. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of unforgiveness. There's people you just will not forgive. Maybe there's someone that won't forgive you. Maybe you're dealing with lust or anger or laziness or covetousness, so many things, just many idols in our lives. All of it that Jesus points out, these things are sin. They're not just bad choices. They're not just habits. They, according to the Scriptures, are sin. I know sin is not a word that we talk about that much in society anymore, in this, in this society, but it's still in the Scriptures, and Jesus addresses it directly. And then we, if the Lord shows us whatever these things are, maybe there's more than a few, and we are honest about them, we lay them all before the mercy seat. And we come to Jesus for spiritual healing. First and foremost, spiritual healing. Listen, when you, when you go to your doctor, your primary care physician, when you go to, and, and really seems like everybody's gone in the last two years to their doctor at least once now, uh, if not more than once, and some of you uh, often, and, and I know that many of you don't want to keep going to the doctor, but nevertheless, if you go to a doctor, they often see things that we don't see. Uh, some of these things come back in like lab work or blood work. We wouldn't be able to see them unless there was a lab core to take and break down. And, and they see things, they see patterns, they see problems, they see things that need to be addressed. They can see good things as well. But they see things that we can't see, and sometimes they can see a symptom. And then they break news to us. Sometimes it's okay news. Sometimes it's not good news. Sometimes it's pretty bad news. But they can break news to us. But they can also, as physicians, give solutions. As people in the medical practice, give solutions. But their solutions have limitations. But Jesus has no limitations. None. No limitations at all. Matthew Henry said this. He said, Christ came to be a great physician. For he was sent to heal the brokenhearted, to comfort and cure afflicted consciences, to give peace to those that were troubled and humbled for sins and under a dread of God's wrath against them 
and to bring them to rest who were weary and heavy laden, the burden of guilt and corruption. Praise God that Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, is still in our Bibles, which Matthew Henry references there. Come to me, all you who are all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can try and get rest, but only Jesus can give rest. But what does the first part of that verse say? Come to me. What do you say to Jerusalem? And we're not willing to come to him. Come to him for that rest, for that spiritual cleansing, for that physical healing, for that mental healing, whatever it may be. Come to me and I will give you rest. Only Jesus can give it. We have to understand that in our society today, that we're looking in all the wrong places. We're looking at places that can't actually solve anything for us, but Jesus can. In, in, in Psalm 103, verse 8, says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. I am grateful, incredibly grateful that God is merciful and that he's gracious. Jesus loves, he loves to be gracious and give forgiveness and give refreshing and give healing to those that are humble and willing and desiring to be changed. One little, one little inch of a step towards Jesus is him coming many steps towards us. But we have to come to him. We have to come to him by obedience and by faith. And let's believe that he still is the healer of our bodies. We have many people, many people that are sick. Many people that are suffering from many different illnesses, not just COVID, many of the things. I, I, my phone uh, in the last 24 months seems to blow up time and time again with another person with, in the hospital. Another person with this is someone has passed away. So many things. But I believe the Lord is calling us in this time to deepen our faith, to pray with more faith and with more urgency. I dream of the night that our Wednesday night prayer nights or whatever prayer nights we have uh, are packed because we have a people that genuinely believe that God is going to move in a mighty way. And we know Jesus is still healing. For those of you that need healing, in Luke 5.15, it said, Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of Him, or healed by Him, of their infirmities. By Him. Jesus is still healing. Um, small things, big things, they're all easy for Him. Jesus wants his church to be trusting in his healing and in his protection that we wouldn't be living in fear, but we would know that he is the one that can protect us and heal us. And by the way, this message today, um, it, it overlaps some of last week, but it has a completely different focus. The focus today is specifically Jesus, not just that he changes our plans, but that we just are looking steadfastly at him. If you're taking notes, second point uh, this morning, which I've taught, we looked at an upward cry, the second point here this morning, an inward change. An inward change. Of all the healing 
the Lord has done, by far our greatest need is inward. All that Jesus could heal of, our greatest need is still an inward need. Uh, my soul, me personally, June 1995, my wife and I on the same day, my soul was healed of the terminal issue of sin that would have led an eternity in hell for me, which I would have deserved, but by the grace of Jesus, my soul was healed of a condition that was, it was destined for what the scriptures refer, refer to as the second death, not just the physical death, but that my entire soul would live eternity in hell. But, but by the grace of Jesus, he changed me on the inside. And like all of the rest of you that are hearing my voice here this morning, I still have, I don't have to break it to my family, they know this well, and people that know me, you, you would know I'm plenty imperfect. I still have other personal healing needs right now, spiritual and physical. God knows mine. God knows yours. But the inward work in my spirit is still the greater need. Even after being saved since 1995, the inward work remains my greater need. Your greater need. When you're saved, you've been rescued. You've been rescued from eternity in hell and, in, and, and being separated from God. You've been rescued, but the healing process of you as a soul that's still on this earth, the healing process has just begun and then continues through the course of your lifetime, your Christian walk on this earth. Heaven will be the final perfection and healing of our minds and our body and our soul. That will be the perfecting of everything when we get to heaven. But have you ever seen a soldier, you've maybe watched a documentary, you've seen a news story, um, you've seen uh, maybe in a movie, uh, it's been portrayed many times, but you've seen a soldier rescued on the battlefield in the nick of time and maybe uh, a helicopter lands and a couple of guys jump out and they run and they grab a guy under both arms and they drag him into the helicopter and the individual, the, the soldier that's rescued may be dehydrated, might have a broken limb, a concussion, other injuries. But as the paramedics begin to tend to this wounded soldier, this wounded warrior, and they put an IV in, and they begin to calm the nerves and, and, and speak in ways that provides encouragement. They begin to tend to the soldier and bind those wounds. And you'll often hear very early say something like this, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. We've got you now. You're in good hands. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to get you home safely, and you're going to recover from all these things. But they start by saying, you're going to be okay. We're here to help. And when Jesus saves you and I eternally from the clutches of Satan, and he comes and rescues us, not onto a helicopter, but into his very hands, He says, you're going to be fine. 
you're going to be with me in eternity. You're going to be okay. I've got you. But now our life of sanctification begins. He begins binding our wounds that, that have been there for a long time. And some of them he's still working on. And he begins resetting the bones. And he's the water, the living water of life, hydrating us and re-strengthening us. But it all starts mostly with an inward change. It's the ins, that what he does on the inside in Psalm 51.10. It says, create in me a clean heart. God reaches in the heart that was of stone and was is rebellious and resistant like Jerusalem. I don't want anything to do with God. I want to do it my own way. I want to be the Lord of my own life. I want to solve my own problems. I don't need you, God. All of that stuff, it's sin. It's the rebellious nature that's within us. He reaches in, as the psalmist says, David says, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because God can take someone who's saved and re-soften them or someone who's lost and completely create a clean heart. And as we walk with the Lord, mostly, mostly now, it's our spirit that God is constantly addressing day by day. And it's a process by which the Holy Spirit does that inward change by the power of the Spirit. God uses the Word of God to direct, but He, but he speaks to us through the Word and by the Holy Spirit, it's an inward work He continues to do. Yes, He sometimes is healing us physically of things, and we're grateful for that. I've been, I had a neck surgery. My neck's way better than it was 10 years ago, even though I'm 10 years older. But most of His work, most of His healing, most of His bone setting is in the spiritual realm of us. In Ephesians 3.16, it says that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might, through His Spirit in the inner man. Only God can touch the inner man. We can't even sometimes make heads or tails of the inner man, but God can reach in and touch the inner man. Only the great physician can reach in and touch and strengthen the inner man or the inner woman if you're watching right now. Deep in your soul, deep in your spirit, you can't even, I can't even, we can't even see what we need. Just like that lab work, we have no idea what's in the labs until it's read by a doctor and someone has to take the labs, but Jesus can look deep inside and say, this is what you need spiritually. This is what you need to be strengthened. This is what you need to overcome. This is what you need to have courage. This is what you need to experience my peace. Only the great physician can reach in to the inner man. And when he touches that, it changes everything. It strengthens us. He gives us strength from the inside out, not from the outside in, from the inside out. This world wears us down. The inward work of the Holy Spirit brings us through. It increases our faith, and we so need an increase in faith. Every one of us, I want to continue to grow in faith in 2022, and I hope you do too. We so need an increase in faith. Now again, you may be watching, and you may very well, my, my heart is incredibly compassionate, and as I mentioned last week, I've grown over the years to really have empathy for those that are suffering physically. I have suffered physically, but not as much as other people have, but enough to get a taste and say, I really have a heart for those that are, 
you know, have chronic conditions, and you may need, you may very well need a physical healing. You may be suffering uh, from post effects of COVID, or you may have had heart surgery, or all the things that are that are out there. And I'm praying and believing. We've been anointing with oil for about three years now in our Wednesday prayer meetings, and I'm praying and believing, and I hope you are too. That I believe the Lord is going to divinely heal many, and I believe He is healing people right now. I believe that He's doing that work, and I believe we'll see many more healed in their minds and their bodies uh, even here in this church. And I hope it's not just here, but out beyond here. But it's that inward change. Even though many people do need physical healing, we pray for that. And it goes out on our prayer chains and our prayer list all the time. Pray for so-and-so. And we, we are praying. And we have seen many people restored to health. And I've seen some great testimonies. But it's the inward change. It's the inward work of the Spirit and the inner man that gives us the strength to persevere, and not just persevere, have joy in the midst of circumstances and in trials. You know the passage in Nehemiah 8.10, but I love the beginning of it. It says, do not sorrow. We have a world that is just wringing their hands and, and full of not just sorrow, but frustration, but whatever it may be, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord can actually overcome physical conditions, physical limitations. The joy of the Lord, it starts on the inward and it works its way outward. And only the great physician can do that and give us joy and strength and peace and anything else that we need. But it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And if you're taking notes, let's look at this one final point this morning. An outward care, so we looked at the an upward cry, and then an inward change, and then lastly, I believe that God wants to bring us to an outward care. He wants us to look to Him and cry out to Him. He wants to then do, and this is perpetual, He wants to be doing it tomorrow, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the way through 2022, He wants us to keep crying out to Him. He wants to keep strengthening us in the inner man. He wants to keep being our joy through the strength of the Lord. And He wants to ultimately have this spill out of us as Jesus said, rivers of living water. So what He's doing in us touches the lives of others. And so this last point, an outward care. Jesus alone saves, transforms, and heals us to bring his saving. He definitely he cares for and loves us individually, but he's not only looking at us, he's looking through us, past us, to many other people, wants to use us. He saves and heals us to bring his saving and healing power to others. That's why we bring the gospel. That's why we are to be disciples of Jesus, bringing the gospel, the good news that the great physician has healed us and is willing, ready, and able to heal them. It is that simple. We've been raised up to be sent out. He told the story, Jesus told the story in his earthly ministry. He told the story of a man who was lying on the road. He had been beaten. He had been robbed. He was in pain. He was, in he, he was dying, in fact, if, if someone did not uh, intervene. 
It's what the story is known as the story of the Good Samaritan. You had two clean, well put together, well to do, upper crust religious leaders that could not spare the time to help this man, to minister to this man. They did not want to invest any of their own money, any of their own resources. They, were, they would clutch what they had and not be willing to give it up. Uh, they balked at getting dirty with this suffering, hurting, dying man. And then comes a Samaritan, who they would have viewed as a heathen, Gentile, much lower than them. And by the way, we see a lot of these attitudes in America today. Just look on the uh, comments on Twitter. We, we have people that believe that whoever they're talking to is low class, a complete moron, but they themselves are something incredibly special, and vice versa. Nothing's changed. Mankind still has the same heart that God needs to change. But that, then comes this Samaritan man who willingly gives of his time, his attention, his hard-earned money, puts him in a hotel and promises to pay whatever bill. He has compassion on this man to serve and help to save the life of a total stranger. And this is how Jesus himself came into this world. He saw us all as lying there and came to invest his own, not just resources, his own body, his own blood. He came into this world and he births the same compassion that he has for a lost and dying world, exactly what he was told Nicodemus and also in John 3, that God so loved the world that he sent or gave his only begotten son. But he bursts, Jesus bursts that same compassion and self-sacrifice into us who by nature are not compassionate. We're very self-absorbed by nature. We're very all about us. But he bursts this in us by his Spirit. And you have to keep drinking from the Spirit because he's constantly refreshing this. Otherwise you become stale and you backslide and don't care anymore. And that's where he goes back to the same thing, an outward an upward cry, an inward change, and then God wants to bring out this outward care. But our inward change, it brings an outward life that looks outside of ourselves. This pandemic that we've been in, and really the increase of sickness and even death and health issues of our nation, uh, it's Difficult to look at, but it's also an opportunity because God knows what he's doing. We were all born for this season of time and this time on the earth, and it's an opportunity for us to rightly reflect Jesus in these times, and it's a responsibility for those that know him as their Lord and Savior. If he's had compassion on us, that we would now give this same compassion and care it's for us to introduce people, all people, to the great physician. Jesus is longing to gather them. Just as he spoke there of Jerusalem, he's longing to gather them. But he's exhorting you and me, brothers and sisters, to bring that message. As we're at the beginning of this year that we look uh, 
beyond ourselves and we say, Lord, I want to pass along to others the fact that you have brought healing to me and you can bring healing to anyone. As a matter of fact, the more we look beyond ourselves, the more God is doing a restorative work in us. You remember John chapter 4 after Jesus had given this living water to the woman at the well. It says in John 4.35, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white unto harvest. God is not wanting us to wait another day, another week, another month to start presenting Jesus to a lost and dying world and to tell people, hey, this is the great physician. This is the one that has changed my life. And don't just, again, just say something. Don't just invite them to church. Minister to people well before they ever get here. Go to lunch with somebody. Do something to say, hey, I'd love to kind of just hear about your life. Invest of your time and then invest anything that Jesus has given to you. Give it out. But Jesus is still saving and transforming the greatest need. Yes, people need physical healing. Yes, we'd love to see hospitals emptied. Yes, those things are all things that I would uh, love to see happen. But the greatest need, the reason Jesus came, we're all going to die of something. The greatest need, the greatest need is, is our spiritual condition. The soul to be saved and be ready for eternity. For Again, by nature, we're not ready for eternity. We're born into sin. We'll be looking at that when we get to uh, the next section in John chapter 8. But God is still doing the amazing work. Jesus is still healing the ultimate need and condition of the soul. Uh, on my Facebook timeline, I, I shared out, those of you that are friends can go take a look at it. If you're not, send me a friend request. I'm glad to add you. Uh, and, but two incredible stories um, just just recently, I guess in this past week here, but uh, or one of them in the past week, one of them would be in the past several months. Um, but uh, a 95-year-old woman and uh, Amir Sarfata uh, of Behold Israel was uh, was the one that uh, shared this. And a 95-year-old woman, I can't, I don't even know where he was speaking, but uh, she was somewhere on vacation, uh, and she got invited to come and hear him speak. And she's 95, and she this very week, received Jesus as her Lord and Savior. 95 years of age, you know, that's right in between Betty White and Sidney Portier. So, it, uh, you know, that Sidney Portier was 94, Betty White was 99, and it reminds us that God can save people up to the very last second and that we need to continue. Uh, that Part of that outward uh, care is to be praying for people. Uh, literally say, Lord, I want to be praying regularly for this person and that person and never give up because they could be saved at the very last year of their life or last minute. And then there were other, the other one that I, that I shared was uh, a, a man, that, a young man, younger man, I don't know if he's probably in his 30s or so, but uh, had been addicted to drugs for 20 plus years and Jesus got a hold of him. He looks completely different. I mean, physically looks different and you can see the spiritual change in the countenance on his face and he radically changed down at Calvary House in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, and even Pastor Jeff, who we uh, are part of the work there in Guatemala, he came through Calvary House and and, and I've seen in this church people that uh, I knew them when they were saved. I knew Pastor Trevor when he wanted nothing 
you know, not, not anything to do with the Lord and, and look at him today. And so God is still doing this inward change uh, in others and we should be encouraged to say, Lord, I, I, you said the fields are white into harvest. I want to be part of what is your heart for people. Jesus is still, brothers and sisters, we come to a close here, he is still, still the great physician. He is everything that you need, that I need, that anyone needs. He wants us to pray and start believing, Lord, I need what you want to do in my life. I need what you see as a priority. I need what you want to identify. He's what every single person needs. It's not more money. It's not more things. It's not even better health, even though he does heal for those things. But let's believe that he's still the great physician. Believe in it. Walk in it. Proclaim it to a sick and dying world, a world that is sick and dying both spiritually and physically. There, the, the, the time is getting more ripe for people to know that there really is hope and it's in Jesus Christ. He is willing, he is able, and he's, only, he's the only one with the power to save and to heal. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we just bow before you, we come before you, and we are so grateful that you did send your only begotten son and that Jesus was and still is the great physician. Uh, he is the one that can cure the incurable. Uh, he is not a solution of man. He is all man and all God. And Lord, with his life and his death and the resurrection, he has conquered sin and death. He has the sole authority to give eternal life, the sole authority to heal from the condition of sin that would, that would place us for eternity in hell, in the lake of fire. And Jesus alone has the power and the authority to wash us and cleanse us and to call us uh, his own and into the family of God by the saving work of your amazing grace. And so, Father, we just come before you. We are grateful that uh, we can know with a surety that you not, are, not only are the great physician, but you're our great physician. That you, uh, some people don't have a primary care doctor or a personal doctor, but Lord, we have the great physician that is there for every one of our needs. And I pray, Lord, that you are ministering to each person what they need right now. And you're building the faith of some that, uh, Lord, we're not asking of you and not really coming and not really seeking and not really uh, looking to you, the author and finisher of not just our faith, but of any need that we have. And Lord, I pray that those that know you, uh, Lord, would just uh, even now re-surrender, recommit themselves to you and really trust you and really ask of you and not be looking uh, to man for all the solutions to our problems, but looking to you. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone listening and watching in this service that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would call upon your name and be saved. And before I close this service, I just want to speak to anyone that may be watching today. Maybe you uh, never go to church. Someone told you about this. Maybe you found it on accident on YouTube. Maybe you found our website on accident. I don't know. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe someone gave you a business card. But you hear today what I have expressed to you that Jesus is the great physician. And I just am speaking to you directly that if he has convicted you, if you, if you sense, man, I'm not, I'm not ready for eternity. 
uh, I, I would be like those in Jerusalem. I've not been willing to come to God. I've not been willing to turn from my sins. I've not been, uh, I haven't even thought about uh, what it means to be saved. I haven't thought about eternity. I, I just think about tomorrow or, or my life or my career or, or, or uh, whatever uh, is fun, I don't know. Or maybe just you're inundated by your problems and, and difficulties and you don't see a way out. No matter what you are thinking, if you've never come to Jesus, He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. It's not just rest for this lifetime, it's rest for eternity and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. And so if He has spoken to you, I'm not going to belabor it any longer, if He's spoken to your heart, I would ask you just, if God is speaking to you, don't put it off, don't wait another day, give your heart and life to Christ today. Just stop right now and just pray, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask you this day to be my Lord and Savior, to wash me to cleanse me, to forgive me, to fill me with your Holy Spirit, to write my name in the Lamb's book of life, for I am deciding this day to come to you, Jesus, to believe in you, Jesus, to believe on you, Jesus, to ask you to wash me and forgive me and to save me and to call me your own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you meant that sincerely, God really, right now today, will heal you and save you. And has, if you've really meant that, you've really called upon the name of the Lord, He will save you even this day. And if you did do that, please send us a note at questions at calvarychapelrva.com. That's questions at calvarychapelrva.com so we can follow up with you. For all of you that know the Lord, I praying that you'll be calling on the great physician this week and every week and more and more for everything you need and be honest and just say, Lord, this is where I'm really at and watch God begin to heal and change us all on the inside, the inner man and inner woman. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus that you love us enough to call us back to yourself again and again, or to you the very first time, and you love us enough to, Lord, continue to reset the bones in our spiritual life and to continue to refresh us and revive us and renew us. And Lord, we're grateful. We pray that we would have just a heart that cries out to you and is in communion with you, that you continue to change us on the inside, and Lord, that you also give us eyes for those that don't know you. A real heart of compassion like that Samaritan, Lord, that we invest of our time, talent, and treasure uh, in the things that matter, mainly the souls of men and women around us and in this world. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. Join us Wednesday night at 6.30 if you're able to for prayer, and we hope to see you either Wednesday or next weekend. God bless.